0: our service of worship here at All Saints Church at Sunnyview Manor. As always, it is a joy and privilege to worship with all of you today. Uh, It may be cloudy now, but I think we're in for a little bit warmer weather later today, so we'll see how that turns out. But it's good to join you in worship. We're going to begin our service of worship today with our first hymn, Blessed Jesus at Thy Word. Spirit be with you all.
1: Amen.
0: Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O oh my soul.
1: I will praise all my life long.
0: Joy comes to those who hope in God.
1: For the Lord is a keeper of promises.
0: Our God is a God of healing and help and hope. Our God will keep faith with all generations.
1: Bless the Lord for now and forevermore.
0: Direct us, O God, rich in mercy, you look with compassion
1: on this troubled world. Feed us with your grace, and grant us the treasure that comes only from you, through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. And now for
0: our first reading of
1: Scripture.
2: The first reading comes from the book of Amos. And who in the world is Amos? Amos is a prophet. Well, when they asked him who he was, he said, I'm a farmer that I tend by sheep and take care of my fig trees. But his grasp of language and his speaking uh, was so that they claimed him as a prophet, even though he was not one of the guilds that the, the kings put together that were the educated people uh, studied and so on, and frequently prophets did come from there. Amos often talked in the North Kingdom at this time about the 8th century, about 750 uh, B.C., Um, he spoke, he was from the south the the people of Israel were divided into two groups the northern kingdom, uh, Judea and the southern kingdom, Israel the northern kingdom had a lot more money uh, drifted farther away with idolatry and, and mixing with other people and Amos often spoke in Bethel which was actually in the north kingdom at that time He prophesied, and uh, so today we're going to hear one of his prophecies. Amos 6, 1a to 4, 7. Alas for those who are at ease in Zion, and for those who feel secure on Mount Samaria, the notables of the first of the nations to whom the house of Israel resorts. Alas for those who lie on beds of ivory, and lounge on their couches, and eat lambs from the flock. And calves from the stall, who sing idle songs to the sound of harps, and like David improvise on instruments of music, who drink wine from bowls, and anoint themselves with the finest oils, but are not grieved over the ruin of Joseph. Therefore, they shall now be the first to go into exile, and the revelry of the loungers shall pass away. The words of our Lord.
1: You, Christ.
0: Our lectionary song for today comes from Psalm 146, and we're reading it responsibly. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul.
1: I will praise the Lord as long as I live, and I will sing praises to my God.
0: Do not put your trust in princes, in mortals, in whom there is no
1: help. When their breath departs, they return to the earth. On that very day, they plan to to the earth.
0: Happy are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God.
1: Who remain heaven and earth, the seed, and all
0: that is in them. Who keeps faith forever? Who executes justice for the oppressed? Who gives food to the hungry?
1: If the Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind.
0: The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous.
1: And the Lord He the, the name of the hills. By the way.
0: The Lord will reign forever, your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the
1: Lord.
0: And now for our next hymn, Praise the Almighty, my soul adore
3: Uh, 6 to 619. Of course there is great gain in godliness combined with contentment, for we brought nothing into the world so that we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many senseless and harmful desires that plunged people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. But as for you, man of God, shun all this, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness, Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you called, and for which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the presence of God, who, gave, who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who is in His testimony before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession. I charge you to keep the commandments. Without spot or blame, until the manifestation of our Lord Jesus Christ, which He will bring out about at the right time. He who is the blessed and only Sovereign, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It is He alone who has immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To Him be honor and eternal. Dominion. Amen. As for those who in the present age are rich, command them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. They are to do good, but to be rich in good works, generous and ready to share. Thus storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of the life that really is life. The Word of our Lord.
1: To you, o Christ.
0: The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 16th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. In Hades, where he was tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner evil things, but now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so, and no one can cross from there to us. He said, Then, Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may warn them, so that they will not also come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets, they should listen to them. He said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. The Gospel of our Lord.
1: Praise to you,
0: I want to begin the message this morning by asking a question. I want you to take a moment and think about your answer. When you think of God, what is the first thing that comes to mind? When you think of God, what is the first thing that comes to mind? Likely, for some of us, the first thing that came to mind was an image, maybe a picture of Jesus, or the classically inaccurate view of a super-old white guy with a long beard and white robes in the sky. Maybe, for others of us, the first thing to come to mind was a word, like love, holy, righteous, eternal, etc. Well, friends, this is a powerful question to ask, and while it is most certainly a theological question... It is also a profound revelation of what the heart of spirituality looks like. So what do I mean by that? Well, for example, if we view God as a terribly angry judge in the sky waiting to drop a hammer on us for any slip or wrongdoing, that will shape how we interact with God, right? If that's our view of God, then it shapes how we pray, how we think God looks at us, how we think God looks at others. Does that make sense? The point behind all of that, of what I've said today, is that our view of God, that is our theology, will profoundly shape how we interact with God. And our theology can have detrimental effects on our faith. Additionally, our theology can be profoundly inspirational. Some of you might be thinking, Sam, this is great and all, but I haven't had my snacks and coffee yet, and it's way too early to be thinking theologically. Well, to that I'd say, it is never too early to do theology. Healthy, vibrant, rooted theology, grounded in God's revelation of who God is. This is so important. So let's take a look at our lectionary psalm for today that we read together responsibly, Psalm 146, because this psalm says some amazing things about God's character and God's heart. If we saw God the way the psalmist does, we would find our spiritual journey profoundly blessed. We're going to take these uh, in Psalm 146, one by one. First, the psalmist said, Happy are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God, and who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever. The psalmist says, God is forever. God is eternal Time doesn't constrict God. God created time. God created the heavens, the earth, the sea, everything you see, God made it. There's a tremendous comfort in the truth that God is eternal. It gives us hope when we encounter despair in this life, when we think about our own death, and maybe when we do, it scares us. And here the psalmist is saying, God is powerful. God created all things. God is eternal. The psalmist continues by saying, God executes justice for the oppressed, gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. Through these statements, the psalmist reveals God's heart. God cares for those in need. God actively executes justice for the oppressed. Why is that important? Well, it's important because human history is filled to the brim with examples of injustice. In the Old Testament book of Exodus, the Hebrews were slaves in Egypt. Pharaoh justified killing the infant babies of the Hebrews to maintain his power and control. Fast forward to Assyria, Babylon, Rome. All these ancient cultures were built on the backs of slavery, conquest, and oppression of other people. The Jews experienced this from the bottom, all of that history. The vast majority of what we read in our Bible was written by people who were enslaved, oppressed, and taken from their homeland, marginalized by these global empires. This didn't end once Christianity came along. Unfortunately, it found a way to continue, even in spite of Christianity. The Spanish, French, British empires all vied for world dominance and they conquered vast tracts of the continent of Africa. Slavery became the norm in our world in the late 1500s and carried all the way into the 1800s. That's 300 years of slavery in the modern era. Today we still see systems of oppression. Modern slavery, human trafficking, it's a multi-billion dollar industry of oppression and exploitation of people. The point I'm making is this. This has been the norm for most of human history. And the psalmist is telling us that that's not what God intended. That's not how God operates with us. That's not something God condones. God executes justice for the oppressed. He feeds the hungry, sets the prisoners free because that's who God is. That is who God expects his people to be, too. The psalmist continues, The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. So the psalmist is telling us that God cares about our health and our well-being. It's all over the story of Jesus. He healed the blind, the deaf, the mute, the demon-possessed. He fed the hungry met the needs of those in poverty. Jesus also tossed tables in the temple because there was an entire system of exchanging money to buy sacrifices that was built to oppress the poor. So God cares about our bodies. God cares about justice. God made all this stuff that we live in and experience as earth and reality. He cares about it, and he invites us to care about it as well. One of the things that I have been fascinated by as a student of church history is the impact Jesus had on world history. Did you know that before Jesus there was no such thing in the world as a hospital? There was never an institution, building, or organization devoted to the care of the human body until after Jesus showed up. His followers recognized in Jesus' life and teaching and example that this was at the heart of our faith, caring for the physical health and well-being of other people. And so hospitals exist in the world today as a direct result of people who follow Jesus' example. The psalmist continues, The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the strangers. He upholds the orphan and the widow. Just as with hospitals, did you know, that there is no such thing in pre-recorded history prior to Jesus, there's no such thing as an orphanage. An institution, an organization designed and meant to care for children who had no parents. That doesn't exist until after Jesus. Because the first followers of Jesus saw how their culture, Roman culture, treated children who had no parents, and knew that it was a part of their faith to care for those kids who had no one to care for, for them. This phraseology that the psalmist uses is repeated all over the Old Testament. It's referenced multiple times in the New Testament. God watches over the stranger, the foreigner, the refugee, the widow, and the orphan. It's everywhere. If you've read your Bible all the way through, you've read these lines before. They're all over the text. These were, and still are, there are still people who are oppressed in our day. As I mentioned earlier, this was the experience of the Jews for centuries. And it's been the experience of many people even to this day. So if God looks out for these, this is who the psalmist is telling us God is. Then we are invited to follow God into doing the same. This psalm is so powerful because it's like a really big window into the heart of God. It's revealing God's character to us. If we aren't careful, we can skim over these lines too quickly and miss the radical nature of what we're reading. If this is who God is, and God is who we are following, then we know we're growing in our faith when we begin to look more like this psalm. We want to look like God. We follow God. So what do we do with this wonderful and challenging list of character traits that we find in Psalm 146? Well, there are a couple of things I want to invite you to consider. First, let Psalm 146 be an invitation. That means what you see God doing, join in. Join in yourself. Advocate for the oppressed. Be creative with how you meet the needs of others. Work towards causes of justice. Participate. Do what you can best. Be informed. Help. Second, Let this list be an assessment. That means we can look at these attributes of God and we can ask ourselves, how am I doing? What have I done recently to help others, to advocate for others, to lean into justice causes, to bless those in need, to utilize my gifts and abilities and time and resources to benefit those who have less than I do? How am I doing? You can let that list be an assessment. Third, and finally, we can let this list be a corrective. So what do I mean by that? Well, there are a number of different voices in our culture that will try to convince us of truths about God, right? We have a culture that talks a lot about spirituality, faith, and religion, and maybe we hear voices from our culture telling us things that they think are true about God. Some people want us to think that God is a cosmic vending machine. You pray, believe, and get what you want. That's not what Jesus taught. Some people want us to think that people, other people, are our enemy. They may be politicians and leaders of all different types of organizations and systems who want to use fear as a tactic to gain power. And so we start to think, well, maybe that's how God operates. That's not how God operates. One of the more famous examples of this happened in Nazi Germany. They vilified the Jews and people of color in order to maintain and gain more power. Brothers and sisters, we are called, as followers of Jesus, to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves, critically assess the messages we hear, weigh the voices of our culture and test them against lists like this and the life of Jesus in the Gospels. We listen for Jesus' voice in the text of Scripture, and we test all other voices against that, Psalm 146 is only one place among many in the Bible where we get a profound and important glimpse into the heart of God. And if you set this psalm alongside Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you will see the many ways that Jesus' life revealed all these truths beautifully and powerfully. So sometimes, and I'm guilty of this, we get skewed and distorted views of God in our head. And we need passages like Psalm 146 to correct those views, to bring us back to the truth of God's character and nature. My prayer for each of us is that we would be wise and grounded followers of God, people who engage in the issues of our day with humility and grace, and above all, love. That's our calling. As we lean into that, we'll begin to look more like the God revealed in Psalm 146. The psalmist shows us the heart of God. That's a beautiful thing to see. And when we see the heart of God, we're invited to ask ourselves, how do I join God in God's work? Amen? Amen. Let's continue our service of worship today by singing our next hymn, O Jesus I Have Promised. and is seated at the right
1: hand of the Father. You will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
0: and mercy, Jesus' parable reminds us that the chasm between rich and poor is hard to cross in the life to come, but not so for us this day as we strive to see God's kingdom at work in our world. We offer gifts to be those blessed to be a blessing. In Christ's holy name we pray, Amen. As we come to the time of the prayers of the congregation, I want to invite you this morning. Maybe you gather with us in worship and you're carrying a heavy burden that you yourself are going through, or it could be something that weighs heavy on your heart and mind for another, someone in your sphere of influence uh, who you care about. Additionally, it could be something that weighs heavy on you that's a global issue, an issue of justice or concern for Uh, bigger systems that are going on in our world. Whatever that may be, whatever prayer requests you may have, I invite you to indicate that at this time by raising your hand. Okay. Please join me in prayer. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you that every time we gather in worship and every time we gather to pray, you are with us. You were here before we gathered, preparing the space and preparing our hearts. And so we ask that as we come bringing these various prayer requests, we ask that you give us faith and courage to trust you. We lay these requests at your feet. We entrust them to your care. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness, for your goodness, for your revelation through the text of Scripture of your character and heart, of who you are as our loving God. You are with us every day, every moment, with every breath. And so we lift these up to you, and we pray, Lord, that not only would you hear our prayers, but that you would grant us uh, faith to trust you with every one of these situations. We thank you, Lord, that you've heard us, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And now I invite you to join me in praying the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And now our final hymn, In Christ There Is No East or Us. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. 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 Go in peace, serve the Lord.
1: God.